Turn us on, and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, uh, Dr. Jason Behrman, our specialist in artificial intelligence and technology, will join us. We'll talk about 100,000 women who were stripped naked by technology, plus skip the dating and proceed directly to mating with these new apps and any other questions you have as it relates to technology and sexuality and our relationships. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514-800. Remember, you can always email me to laurie at drlaurie.com. And I actually got a heart-wrenching email today that I want to share with you and was given permission to share. And sometimes when they're really tough situations. I like to just make sure and check. Uh, This is one of the hardest emails I have ever written. I consider myself one of the many you have helped. Your show on mental health at home brought back some very painful times. Even writing this, I am crying. My husband's family has a history of mental health problems and even my husband suffers, but is on medication and has been since I have known him. Our son started showing signs of problems at the age of 11 and was prescribed medication and he was fine, did very well in school and always had very high grades. By 15, he was not taking his medications regularly and we can tell when he did not. At that age, his hormones were beginning to rage and his sheets had to be changed daily because of the semen stains. We left Kleenex, wipes, and everything else on his night table, but it did not help. My husband tried to talk to him, but he would run from the room saying, leave me alone. At times, he would become violent and have tantrums that caused holes in walls. He became difficult to take to the doctor and would lie about taking his medication. Things became out of control when he started to grab our daughter's breasts and unlock bathroom doors when she was in a shower. We changed the lock type on the bathroom door and he was enraged. My daughter stopped showering when he was home. He started to expose himself, became more violent and aggressive. It began to put a stress on our marriage because my husband would just say he is being a teenage boy and I know how young teenagers boys can be, but this went beyond normal. There were several incidents that I can mention, but my, cannot mention, but my daughter showed me a pair of her panties from her drawer that had semen stains on them. By this point, and I had had it with my husband and my son, and something had to be done before my 16-year-old daughter got raped, and my fears also were on my 12-year-old daughter. When it gets to the point your own daughters are afraid to be home with their brothers, something must be done. We sought outside help and nothing seemed to work with him and he refused to take his medication and my husband defended him. I love my son very much, more than I can express, and I had to make a decision that will break up the family. Treatment centers, mental health advisors, doctors seemed no one could help and my husband resented me and became abusive himself. We separated and took his son with him. He has since been in all kinds of trouble and his father still defends him. What it almost saddens me to say, my two daughters are much happier and grades in school have improved. Our home is a happy home again, but they do love their brother and of course I love my son. I am not going to bore you with the visiting details, but when he does come over, everything is good. I know many other parents will have a hard time understanding what I did, but they will never have to feel the pain I do to this day, and I hope they never will. 
At this point in this message, I am in full tears, uncontrollable tears. I have listened to passion enough to have learned that sometimes difficult decisions must be made, and I made it, and if anyone thinks it was easy, they are very much mistaken. Your inspirational words, poems, and comments from the community has helped me and my two daughters even though there is an empty chair at the kitchen table. I wish there was another way. All avenues were exhausted. I speak to my son several times a day, and I can tell if he took his medication or not, And when I speak to my husband, I should say ex-husband, he lies about the mental state of our son and does not communicate much with his own daughters, which bothers them, but I know he loves them very much. We will all be spending Christmas together, and we all look forward to it. I could write forever, but I just want to say thank you. I may not be the success you have become accustomed to, but a success nonetheless. But I think I failed my son for my daughters. To this very day, I think I could have done something more, but for the life of me, I know not what. That is one of the most heart-wrenching emails I think I've ever received about from a, a, a most loving mom who was broken and, and had to make a, one of the most difficult choices, the most difficult choices she would probably ever have to make in her life, and that is protecting two of her kids because one Uh, One was abusive and the others needed um, protection. It's too bad that the the husband uh, enabled uh, some of the son's behavior, of course, that made the marriage quite uh, difficult, but fits right in with the situate with the the topic that we discussed uh, this week, right? About uh, living with somebody who is um, uh, has mental health issues. Now, of course, this is your child and we didn't talk about that. We talked about uh, when your uh, partner has but again come back to safety first right protecting lives is also very very important but thank you um, for sharing that that was um, that was very hard to write I'm, I'm quite sure but I appreciate it very much and I know our passion community appreciates it as well Um, I'm a shy guy in public places so bars is not my thing to meet um, and then ask another, another part help PS, why are older women so attractive and seem to have a better sexual energy? So there's two, two part question here. Uh, there are lots of people you talk to today who say they hate the bar scene for, uh, meeting, uh, meeting people. Um, you know, plus of course in these days, forget it. Uh, but there are many more options available now. So that's important. And I think that you should try online dating. That's where everybody's going these days, right? It's, uh, uh, everybody's using, I don't know anybody who's single who is not on some app or some, um, website. And now during uh, COVID times, it's actually, I think a good opportunity to get to know somebody online and even move it from, uh, messaging to voice messages, uh, to, um, like, uh, FaceTime messages or things like that, where you can actually see each other, talk to each other. It's a good way to ease into conversation. Uh, I think it's very hard to impress someone in a noisy bar. Like that's just, Uh, I think that's really tough. So you have, you've got to start by creating, um, a profile. You might need help with that. And there are people, there are coaches and dating coaches that can help you put a profile together or ask a friend who's been uh, successful in in that way and has a profile up, ask them, uh, what, 
you know how to how to do it properly you want you might want to think about what you are uh, looking for in a relationship or what kind of relationship you're looking for what kind of person you're looking for how you can describe yourself so those are some of the things that you want to um want to check uh, check into the other thing for the older woman question I think older women are viewed as just more sexually experienced and more sexually confident I think that's the appeal it's the appeal on porn as well some of the top searches are milfs and the the term milfs and so that's about uh, older women um, being sexual so I mean if somebody else has any other ideas but I think that really is what the appeal is all about. Our sex tech uh, guru is going to be in uh, with us. We're going to find out what's the latest in technology as it relates to dating, sex, mating, love. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. So happy to welcome back Dr. Jason Behrman, our specialist in artificial intelligence and technology. He joins us every uh, month to update us on some some news, some things that are new in the uh, technology uh, field. But before I get to that, I just want to share a couple of texts here. Dr. Lori, I've been listening for 21 years. That story was brutal. God bless that woman for having the courage and guts to make the decision she did, but she made the right decision and protected her two daughters. Thanks for sharing. And remember, Dr. Lori, you and your show are an important part of our community. And then it says, which I don't get, Order of Canada is in process. I'm not sure what that's about. Um, What an amazing woman. I cannot fathom her situation. Takes a lot of courage to do uh, what she did. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Jason, how are you? Hi, Lori. I'm doing very well. Good, good. Staying safe? Yeah, of course. Okay, good. <laughs> Working from home, doing the same old, same old. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, no cabin fever yet? Uh, yeah, uh, pretty strong. Um, I rarely leave like a 500 meter radius from my home, especially now because it's like, aw- it's like entering winter. And so like, I don't even have an excuse to go to a community garden or anything like that. You know, I know so, yeah, yeah. I go to the, uh, the, the furthest I go is I think the po- the uh, mailbox around the corner. That's about it. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Could get some air. It's important. All right. Moving on to some technology. What's new in the field that uh, would relate to us and our listeners? Well, I don't know. Did you uh, give a rundown of some of the topics we want to cover? Yeah, yeah. The 100,000 women stripped naked by technology. Who's being stripped here? Well, 100,000 women, many of which probably have no idea that this was done to them because some person or uh, actually a whole bunch of people now have just taken random photos of people from their social media profiles, you know, all the photos that, that, that are just out there in, in the public, yeah. and they put them through uh, an application on a social media network, and this application uh, is capable of doing an overlay, a best guess overlay of what the body would look like underneath the clothing. <laughs> and it is done through artificial intelligence. 
So I talked about this on a previous episode of uh, Passion, and this is the latest iteration of it. So it was um, one guy who was uh, just playing around uh, developing some uh, artificial intelligence projects, and he developed an app called Deep Nude. And what he did was uh, he just took a whole bunch of photos of uh, nude women, uh, photos that he collected from the Internet because there's copious amounts of images of nude women on the Internet, okay. and taught an algorithm to understand like what a body looks like. Okay. And then what you could do is you could take an image of a person wearing clothing and just ask it is like, well, could you give me a best guess as to what this body would look like underneath? And it's not the best kind of technology, but it can produce some pretty realistic renditions of a nude body from an original image of someone wearing lots of clothes. Um, and it works best if you're like a picture of you in a bathing suit of or course. some kind of like form fitting or tight clothing, mm-hmm. and which is like super easy to find on Instagram, by the way, yep, or any yep. of these social media sites. Facebook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is freaky. Um, the person who developed that, it was kind of like a project that uh, he did, but it got so much media coverage and so much backlash that he actually took it down and said, like, I'm sorry, this is not where this was supposed to go. I was just, you know, kind of like working on this project and then it kind of went south and and um, didn't want all this bad press and for it to be used for malicious reasons. But I mean, the ha- genie's out of the bottle. Yes. So lo and behold, it, it, the, the area went quiet, like the topic of deep nudes went quiet for a little while. And then it sprung up because some investigative journalists got tipped off, um, including some at the BBC. And they started to look into rumors of some new app on a social media communication platform called Telegram that was out there. Okay. Now, Telegram doesn't have the best reputation out there. It has many positive elements to it, and it has many negatives. So what's cool about this messaging platform is that it encrypts your messages so that other people cannot spy on what you're doing. Okay. So this has helped a lot of people, uh, like activists working in um, areas of the world that are have been taken over by authoritarian governments and they're monitoring like everything you do online, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, these people are able to communicate and still organize against these authoritarian forces by using platforms such as Telegram. Now, the fact that people cannot peer into what you're doing on um, the messaging platform also makes it like a hotbed for uh, criminal activity and a lot of like CD characters that we do not appreciate all that much. Uh-huh. Lo and behold, somebody made a bot, um, not like a robot, but more like an application okay. that has these deep nude capabilities uh, with it. And you can sign on to Telegram, the platform, go to um, this group that has this bot, and you could submit a photo oh, within no. like a few clicks. Wait like a minute or so, I think it, it, it takes. It was, Let me look at this. Users can send a photo of a woman, and it will di- digitally remove her clothes in minutes at zero cost. Oh, great. Thanks, oh, for great. T- thanks for telling the world about this, Jason. I'm not too happy about this right now. <laughs> this was covered in the BBC and many other major uh, news networks. So wow. this is quite well, this is public knowledge now. And, of course, like a lot of people are up in arms with this because uh, you can imagine how this could be abused. And some people started to raise some questions that people were submitting images of women that appear to be underage. 
so oh, young no. girls. Okay. And um, the results you could get vary uh, widely. So depending on the image uh, that you submit, you could either get one that's pretty convincing, that does not look like it was like photoshopped or anything like that, mm-hmm. or others uh, like the BBC uncovered some of the the images that they submitted with the consent of the person who is uh, depicted in the image. Um, they got very very bad quality uh, ran, um, deep nude uh, outputs. So, like, one described it like they caught one where um, uh, the navel of the person was, like, over their neck and it just, like, looked <laughs> weird. But other times like, it comes out and you're like, oh, oh, boy, that's not cool. <laughs> if they're going to do that with me, I, 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 really hope, I really hope they take away, you know, the wrinkles and the, the lines <laughs> and all the other stuff. Oh, my well, goodness. <sighs> so, I'm... <laughs> Maybe who knows? But, I, I mean, yeah, that, it's just scary that somebody could just do that, you know, for whatever purpose, even if it's for for their imagination or for what. Well, it's just like it's it just feels so creepy that somebody could mm-hmm. do that without you even knowing that that's being done. So I don't want anybody to everybody to get up in arms over this because we've had other forms of technology, namely software like Photoshop, that made you know touch ups and. Uh, very detailed manipulations of photos possible where you could technically, you know, remove the clothes of someone in an image and just like draw over it what you think they would look like. And you, if you're very skilled at this uh, software tool, Photoshop, you could develop like the most incredible images that your, you know, your, your, your creativity is is, is the only thing that will limit your abilities pretty much. Right. And the problem now though, is that with these bots, um, and also um, coupling it with a social media site like Telegram is that you don't have to have any kind of technological skill or any kind of creative right. talent to generate these deep nude images, these fake nude images. And then you could distribute it with ease through these messaging platforms to who knows who and oh you know, trade it just like it was like any other image out there. And that is what is quite disquieting. And the fact that you could just take any image, go onto the messaging app with a few clicks, have it uploaded, and then in like a couple so, minutes, generate like a whole photo album of someone that appears to be nude, and then harass them with these images, this is now becoming a reality. Wow. But the other, my other concern too is creating uh, child pornography uh, images and selling those. Like, there's a whole deep dark web with that going on so i don't know how that uh sleazy part of society is going to uh, use this technology so on our next episode of sex uh sex tech on passion i'm going to address this issue in greater detail because okay. this is a problem that goes back to our uh to- our very popular topic lori which is the uh, the deep fakes where people were making fake pornography mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh yeah using artificial intelligence like an overlay of the face and how some people are starting to use this to generate pseudo child pornography but oh it's like a realistic like uh, adult performer in whatever sex act is there but then they have an overlay on the body to make it look more juvenile Mm -hmm. and this raises a whole host of questions about our legal system our regulations concerning child sexual exploitation and whatnot because in such a case like that you technically do not have a victim so right you're not using anybody right yeah like who is really harmed 
So if you want to do some hardcore regulations on this activity, which is pretty much altering photos using software, you start to go down a slippery slope where we as a society are going to deem some people to be committing illegal acts because of, well, a, a, a moral reasons, mm-hmm. like general morality. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, when there's no victim, then, like this gets really, really difficult. So um, I'm going to open up that discussion uh, next month. That's going to be uh, very interesting to see that. Again, it's the where legislation and the law hasn't caught up yet with technology. And we saw this and we're seeing this, too, with sexting and with youth where mm-hmm. they can still be criminalized from one youth sending a, a, a naked or half-naked or sexy picture to another youth, mm-hmm. and, and both can be uh, tried for a possession of child pornography when they're nowhere near child pornographers or uh, pedophiles or anything like that. It's between a- same age. It's just that if they're mm-hmm. underage... It uh, so the the I don't think the courts have yet caught up with that that level of technology and change some of these laws. Can you imagine that if a child, a 15 year old, sends another 15 year old uh, a sexy picture of themselves and ends up with a criminal record for distribution, they they now become uh, you know known as as sex offenders. Yeah, I, I remember this. This you were an expert witness that was testifying in, in a court in a case, case about like this topic. This, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So think about what you had to explain to the court, and now imagine two mm-hmm. youth, two thirteen-year-olds, or like, oh gosh, kids these days with mm-hmm. technology, two ten-year-olds. They go, they get a picture of one of their friends, and they thought they were just being funny. They upload the image to uh, this bot, this deep nude bot on, um, mm-hmm. on, on on the messaging platform, and they generate this mm-hmm. image and then they share it amongst themselves. And like it's it's not like real. Right. Are they still liable for doing some like really harsh criminal activity? Mm-hmm. And what exactly is is it that they did that is criminal? They're they're gonna need experts like you in the courtroom soon, very much so. Uh, coming up, we'll talk about. Uh, not dating apps, but mating apps, I guess, with Dr. Jason Behrman, our specialist in artificial intelligence and technology. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Before we continue with Dr. Jason Behrman, our specialist in uh, sex tech and technology in general, let me share this uh, stupid story, really stupid story. Uh, so driving without a seatbelt, of course, is frowned upon because it's dangerous. However, it seems a stationary vehicle can also pose health risks, especially if a few passengers are engaging in a horizontal dance and the handbrake is accidentally hit in the risque scenario. Two women and a gentleman decided to park and partake in a threesome when one of the party unfortunately disengaged the handbrake. Unbeknownst to the group inside, the car rolled and then crashed into a tree, causing one of the females to break both of her legs. The person, the injured woman, was known as Miss Birthday Suit. When emergency services arrived, she was completely naked at the scene and was accompanied to the hospital by her male 
companion. So what stupid people will do or what stupid things people will do, not necessarily stupid people. Uh, and then a texter wrote in, uh, we were just talking about something. Uh, my nephew at 14 had his phone confiscated and 35 plus charges because of a picture a girl sent to him and he sent it to a friend who shared it with two friends who then shared it with two friends and so on and so on. And so now that person is accused of dis- distribution of child pornography, not just ownership of. So it can be pretty crazy um, what can happen. And of course, kids need to be warned, but I also think the law uh, needs to be change. Someone else writes, in regard to deep nudes, this is particularly troubling because who would be able to determine that the image is fake? You could destroy someone's image if you had evil intentions. Jason, what do you think about that? Is there a way to determine that an image is fake? Well, with today's technology, uh, you could look at it closely and some of the images you could see that, you know, it doesn't line up all that well. And you could look for some telltale signs that it's been manipulated in one way or another. But this is always the case when a new technology first comes out and it only gets better and better over time. And usually um, the ability for it to be producing very convincing synthetic photos of people in the nude. I mean, this increases exponentially as time goes by. Right. So this was exactly the case that we saw, for example, with the deep fakes phenomenon, mm-hmm. where at first people started just doing, having some fun with, you know, making a synthetic pornography of uh, Hollywood celebrities. But once the cat was out of the bag, uh, people started to use the, the technology a lot. And now it's like actually entered into cinema and, you know, the film industry mm-hmm. where they're starting to do this to, you know, bring actors that died halfway through a movie or something back to life or to, oh, like, goodness. make age renditions of an actor where they're, like, talking to themselves uh, mm-hmm. in, like, a scene, you know. So, like, the technology within, like, just a couple years started to become pretty darn good. And people are now using it to uh, m- make comical videos online of, you know, uh, famous politicians saying ridiculous things. Um Somebody recently released a video where um, they made an alternative reality to the moon landing where the uh, Apollo mission uh, was unsuccessful and there was like a a disaster in Hmm. space. And it was like Richard Nixon addressing the nation of a speech he never gave. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was super cool. And they just wanted to show the world, the the director of the film wanted to show the world what you could do with technology today. And so just taking, you know, just old footage of Richard Nixon and um, uh, from his old speeches, they were able to do a a deep fake overlay and have them like back in the in 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 the 60s, you know, giving a speech to the nation, uh, a very solemn speech of of, like how the moon landing mission failed. And like, you know, the astronauts died. And this was like a, a time for mourning. And it was pretty convincing. It was amazing. This is the real fake news. Like that, that's yeah. the, when we talk fake news, that's what it is. Not necessarily CNN news. But anyway, uh, we won't go there. But I have seen like videos. I'm sure people are doing, making all kinds of videos of, of like Trump and things like that. Because I have seen things that look pretty darn real. Uh, and, uh, and of course it's manipulated stuff. So, yeah. uh, but it's hard for the average person that sees something like that. They, they may not know the difference. They may, they, they may not assume that this is fake or see any indicators, you know, I mean, who looks that closely to, to see, I wouldn't know what to look for. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. It's a major problem, and that's like the kind of future that we're we're progressing towards is yeah. is a future where it's going to be very difficult for you to tell like what is true, what is not, well, and it, we are totally unprepared for this uh, reality. Right. A texture writes in they are doing exactly that for the next Indiana Jones movie. So there you have it. I can, I can see, imagine. yeah, I can, I can see its use in Hollywood and and for things like that. It's just any technology get gets when it gets into the wrong hands has can have devastating effects. That's the uh, that's the problem. But let's move on to uh, um, I'm curious about this mating, Ma- apps. mating apps. Yeah, what's a mating app? Okay, well, um, I think you would be quite the expert on this topic in terms of how a lot of people today are questioning the one-size-fits-all uh, ideal uh, vision of uh, of a family, which is that, you know, in the olden days, it was that nuclear family structure, you know, one mom, one dad, three kids, a dog, mm-hmm. you know, the house of the picket fence. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, like, a growing movement and, like, of, of just greater diversity in terms of, like, families and what families look like the type what constitutes the family of today course. it's really really changing and uh, one movement that is interesting is that there's a growing number of people that are choosing to be single parents so single parents by choice right and um there's like a lot of people right now uh with like dating and starting a family they're doing this way later in life because they have to get an education and start their career and many people, it's, it's becoming such a problem, especially with young women, um, that they're freaking out that they're going to miss like their most fertile years. Right. And they're doing some drastic measures such as freezing their eggs for you know, a long time mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, putting a lot of like, uh, money into trying to protect their fertility. And um, there's also a growing number of women now that are finding it increasingly difficult to find um, a long-term partner to raise children with and marry. Uh, because they find that there's um, a huge number of um, a disproportionate amount of women now that are graduating from university compared to men. Like the the ratio has changed, and now some women are just like, well, I want to start a family, but I'm having a lot of trouble uh, finding a quality partner, so it's taking a lot of time. And um, you know, like a lot of partnerships end in divorce, anyways. So some people are saying, he's like, you know what? Maybe I should try something new, and this is called. Um, mating. So uh, some of these companies out there, they have a tagline such as, this is a new way to family. So what is it? There are different kinds of sites. Some of them are apps. Some of them are online concierge services. Mm-hmm. And they are matchmaking sites for people who want to have a baby without a romantic relationship. So, so you can find a non-romantic partner to have and raise a child with. Oh, it's and called- raise. And raise. So you're not just looking for sperm. You're not just looking for sperm or anything like that. Nope. More complicated than that. Mm -hmm. So it's for platonic co-parenting. So you do not have to have a romantic or sexual relationship with the person. And and most often the people do not live together. And this is a recently new phenomenon. It started uh, emerging as like a trend in 2015. But before then, it was well established in in the LGBTQ community. So, for example, uh, oh, I I even knew of couples that were like a, a lesbian couple, mm-hmm. and they had a gay friend, and they asked them to make a a, a donation with a, a turkey baster, mm-hmm. and they conceived a child. And from the get go, it was understood that the gay sperm donor would contribute to raising the child and would be present in the child's life, even though they lived in like separate homes from the, the lesbian parent. That's a storyline in uh, Grey's Anatomy. 
<laughs> actually. Yeah, so you see how like that 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 is it's it's pretty common. It's it's like entered, you know, the public zeitgeist. Yeah. Um true. but now it's becoming increasingly popular amongst heterosexual couples. I'm just and wondering so, I'm just wondering, Jason, what the conversation with the children will be when they're older, you know. Oh, how did you meet daddy, you know? <laughs> Well, there's going to be uh, thousands upon thousands of conversations to be had because they're seeing that there's tens of thousands of people that have signed up to a variety of different matchmaking sites out there. They typically charge a subscription, which is pretty hefty. Okay. So uh, a yearly prescription can, uh, subscription can start at uh, well over $150. Okay. And it could go up to um, like the high end uh, services can go up to like fifteen thousand dollars for you to get matched with Listen, a, a good mate. I think it's not the it it's a good it responds to a need that some single women have who may want to have children but do mm -hmm. not you know have not found uh, a partnership and don't want to wait anymore. Well, we'll hear a little bit more about that plus the kinky Canadian art house. Uh, film with a specialist, uh, Dr. Jason Behrman, a specialist in artificial intelligence and technology. And if you have any questions for him, you can send them along right here at 514-800. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Joining me tonight, Dr. Jason Behrman. It is our sex tech evening, and we talk about new technologies affecting us, affecting our relationships, our love lives, our sex lives. Someone says, why would a lesbian couple restrict themselves to a gay man to donate sperm? There is a reason for it. Like, I would like to know why. I don't think that's the case, at least in... Um, in, They're not restricting themselves. No, but even in uh, in the show, in, in Grey's Anatomy, the guy was a straight guy. Uh, mm -hmm. She just had the woman. They happened to have sex because she was bisexual. But anyway, that's a whole story. But that's that's uh, Hollywood. Um, but no, it's not necessarily. I know a gay couple, two men, and the 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 uh, mother of their child was a straight woman who was the best friend of this gay one of the gay men. So, and the no. three of them are, are are all co-parents. And in British Columbia, you can have more than two parents on the birth certificate. So all three parents are on the birth certificate. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. And so just, just, just to conclude, it's, it's not a question that um, they were restricted to having a gay man uh, make a sperm donation so they could start a, a mutual co-parenting kind of arrangement. It's just that it's a community. The LGBTQ is a community is a community, and like we stick together, you know, and we help right. each other out. That's right. why quite often those kind of alternative family structures uh, originated from that community. Exactly. And then, lo and behold, now it's becoming increasingly popular within the heterosexual community because of all these different kinds of social and economic and cultural exactly. changes that we're going through right now. Exactly. So, as I was saying, uh, they have these uh, matchmaking sites now for platonic uh, relationships uh, and for you to co-parent uh, a child. And um, many of these sites, uh, they, they use similar techniques uh, to dating sites where they will have like a proprietary algorithm that will try to match you up with someone based on income, health, uh, uh, some physical appearance, uh, mm -hmm. education level. 
and there's quite a few of them. So, like in the in the UK, because I was reading up on this um, on an article in the Guardian newspaper, and so there's quite a few different sites now. Like one's called Co-Parents, Modamily, mm-hmm. which is like a play on the word Modern Family, mm-hmm. Pollen Tree, The Stork, and uh, some of these sites claim that uh, during the recent lockdowns that we've had from the pandemic, that they are seeing traffic surges to their websites of 30 to 50 percent increases. Wow. Wow. And so you're saying it's like, okay, well, what's the kind of conversation you're going to be having with the kids when (laughs) when they grow up? And I'm like, I don't see it as any different as, you know, um, you being a divorced parent uh, who had a young child at the time of the divorce. I'm pretty sure it's a similar situation and a similar discussion you will have to have. Yeah, Um, I guess, except they might want, they might say, how did you meet? And... mm -hmm. Uh, were you in love? And I don't know. You know, you want rom- Oftentimes, as kids, you want kind of the romantic stories of your parents. Oh, tell, uh-huh. me, tell me the story of how you met, you know, mom or how you met dad, and uh, it'll be an interesting story to tell. Well, I'm looking at one uh, one people who did this, uh, one one couple that did this, and they say uh, they tell their family and friends that they just met online, and they don't go into too much detail about their relationship. Uh, because there's still like a lot of stigma with alternative family arrangements right, out there. Right, right, right. And so what's interesting is that like a lot of these people, they draw up a private agreement of the terms and conditions of like the type of parenting that they're going to have, which mm-hmm. is great. Um, but people should know that this is not necessarily enforceable in court because if there, if should there be any kind of custody battle, uh, a judge, uh, no matter what kind of agreement you have before will make a judgment based on the best interests of the child. Right, exactly. So, like, all the preparations you do beforehand does not necessarily give you, like, robust right. uh, legal protection. Exactly. Uh, it's, yeah. it's like, some people are saying that it's, it's really interesting um, because this type of relationship, they claim, is kind of re- returning back to an old form of marriage, like marriage back in the day where you used to marry another person uh, for the goal of uh, establishing a kind of cooperative between two people that would be stable for raising a, a child mm-hmm. and for economic and other practical reasons. And it's only very recently uh, that we have changed this idea of marriage where marriage is supposed to be about love and romance first and foremost. Right. And not necessarily about like, you know, building that kind of stable relationship for children and economic and social reasons for marriage. I have an interesting text here. My wife's lesbian sister would never let another man, gay or not, inseminate her because they said it would be like cheating. She chose to go with in vitro. $10,000 later, it was a success. I guess in that situation, the difference would be that if you're going with a donated sperm, uh, then uh, you don't have these issues either. You, the the other, the sperm mm-hmm. donor has nothing to do with it. But I'm not sure. Anyway, I don't know. That's not meeting the need. So what what I'm seeing from a lot of people is that they want to have a child uh, now in this point of their life. And that want does not necessarily superimpose perfectly with um, having a relationship and settling down and getting married. Right. And, like, there's a lot of people that were, like, married first and then they got divorced and they already had a kid through that first marriage. And then they wanted to expand their family even more and have a second kid. But they're like, no way in hell I'm going down the marriage route again because the first time I did it was, like, such a bad experience. <laughs> right. And so this provides, like, another option. Yeah. And so there's a lot of people out there that say, like, okay, well, I'm ready for kids. 
But, you know, finding that romantic ideal partner, if they ever find them, you know, that's going to require a lot more time and time's ticking now in terms of fertility. So I'm going to try this alternative arrangement. Right. Well, and some people seem to, seem to, seem to work for it's them. It's obviously, it's fulfilling a need since they've got, there are lots of apps for that purpose. We just have a couple of minutes left. What is the Kinky Canadian Art House film? Oh, my gosh. So I remember when I was still living at home when I was a teenager, my parents had cable, and we got um, Showcase as one of those extra channels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, gosh, I was addicted to that channel because always at night they always had, like, the most funky, freaky, weird kind of art house films. And I love, like, abstract or challenging art in general, but especially in cinema. And quite often, late at night, they would have uh, movies that would push the boundaries in terms of sexuality. And so I saw one film, and it's like, I, I still love it to this day. And it's a Canadian film by David Cronenberg oh. called Crash. Oh, yes. And, yes. <laughs> and so it's a story about people who have a fetish that's very particular, which is they get sexually aroused by crashes. car crashes yep. and re being in cars and reenacting famous car crashes. And the movie is totally bizarre, but it's really good. And it won the special jury prize at the 1996 Cannes Film Festival. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So this is from the, the 90s. And why I'm saying it's getting a tech uh, upgrade is that it's being digitally remastered, and okay. you will be able to now download a, a digital versions of the film starting November 30th, and it will be out with a digital upgrade on Blu-ray and other kinds of uh, formats uh, this December. And so uh, this just like came up in my cool. email news box uh, uh, and, uh, with the keywords uh, sex and technology, and I was like, oh my gosh, that film. I remember like how like groundbreaking and controversial and interesting that film was, especially in depicting the more alternative and colorful sides, I guess yes. you could say, of human sexuality, yes. because human sexuality often is portrayed in a very like vanilla, simple simple, straightforward kind of way, and human sexuality is anything but. Right. And this film really turned that on its head. And it was like, so outrageous. Whoa. It was one of yeah. those things that was so outrageous, almost hard to believe that, what, this is this is a fetish? That's interesting. When they say uh, digitally remastered, what does that mean exactly? Oh, uh, you can... Because this came out <laughs> during the time of VHS. Do you remember those? <laughs> yeah, very well. So, Thank you. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, me too. And so this is like they, they made improvements to the quality of the images and the quality okay. of the audio so that it's more up to speed with uh, the quality that, that you take for granted today with all the other kinds right. of uh, content that's being produced. So they'll take the original and make the original better with the, with the technology we have today, basically. Such as putting it on a, a Blu-ray disc. Yeah, somebody said in Crash, I love the line, the reconstruction of the human anatomy. That's a line from Crash, so somebody else is a big fan. Uh, Jason, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Always a pleasure for me, Laurie. Can't wait to see. Thank you. Can't wait to see what you have for us next, uh, next month. Appreciate you. Take care. Be safe. I look forward to it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Uh, thank you all for uh, tuning in. So appreciate it. Uh, thanks to our technical producer, Chris Aikens. If you want to connect with me on social media, my public page is uh, Dr. Lori Batito, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E-B-E-T-I-T-O. 
or just go directly to my website, drlaurie.com, where if you click on the Passion Radio tab, you have access to all of my podcasts, but they are also on the iHeart app on the CJD page, or if you have SoundCloud, they are all there as well. Uh, Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion. Yeah.